With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mannequin Chill is back in session for another week, week four of the NFL season. And Shane, we get comments every once in a while about, do we like any players? It's always sell this player. Man, I don't believe in this player. The market doesn't believe in this player. It seems like it's a lot of negative that we talk about. And I think that's just because the nature of Dynasty on the live streams, we get a ton of questions. And part of it's probably that you and I are jaded because we play in a lot of leagues, consuming content constantly. So a lot of it is negative sells sell, sell. And the reality is a lot of people are playing to win. A lot of people do want recommendations to maybe go the other way, especially if they're in a league where they can't sell. So that's what today's episode is going to be about, Shane. Players we actually like going forward, and we can define what going forward means. Does it mean the next four weeks? Does it mean the next four months? So the whole season? Does it mean for the next two years? And I don't think either of us really are playing dynasty in a two plus year window anymore. Otherwise you're, you're very alone in the world, but there are players that we like. There are players that we will buy. There are players that behind the scenes, we are trying to probably add to our portfolios and say, you know what? The reason that I'm doing it is this, and it may not come up on the stream unless somebody asks a question about that specific player. So that's today's show. How excited are you to talk positive about some players that you actually are optimistic on? I love it. Today, it's going to be players over process, even though my shirt says process over players. Players that, you know, who a couple of these guys that we'll talk about are players that, you know, I, I pause my process and go, I'm okay overpaying. I'm okay paying full market value or, or slightly above to get them on my roster if they're not already. We're not going to have really any organization to this. We're not going to do it by positions. Uh, and, and that's something that we talked about a little bit prior to the show. Not like we sit here and prep for hours for these mannequin chills. It's really just a topic that we both want to talk about. But I think with my last Destination Dynasty episode, some of the results thus far, tight ends especially, it's really hard for me, Shane, to really be excited about tight ends. I'm more excited about the tight end market. Like I'm excited to buy Kyle Pitts if he gets at a certain value. I'm excited to buy some tight ends that are productive, that are worth nothing that I can pivot off some tight ends, maybe like Dallas Goddard, who really aren't helping me, but they're just occupying a spot on my team. But other people in my league may hold value. So from when it comes to like tight ends, I'm not really excited about them. I'm more excited about being able to play the market and play the position differently. And then running backs, everybody knows our thoughts on running backs. They serve a purpose on my roster. I'm really agnostic as to what running backs I have. And I like buying running backs when they serve a purpose on the roster I'm buying them for. I'm not going to say, man, I don't like this guy. If they can start for me, can they can give me short-term production and I need the production, 
I'm open to buying running backs. So for me, I'm not really excited about tight ends or running backs from like a buy or a usage. Let's talk about how good of an investment they are. It's more of what purpose do they serve for my roster construction? But how about you on those two positions? Because they seem like they're just kind of dead and flat right now. Well, I mean, at tight end, uh, there's obviously Laporta, but if you haven't already bought him, uh, chances are you're not going to be able to do so, right? But from a usage perspective, uh, snaps, uh, routes run, target share, all that good stuff. I'm feeling pretty good about Luke Musgrave. I feel like he could be like the discount Sam Laporta. Like, you know, you you go shopping and you want to get a Sam Laporta, but you can't afford a Sam Laporta. And you're not sure that you should spend that type of money on a Sam Laporta. Maybe you go spend a fraction of that on a Luke Musgrave a discount version and, and, and see what comes. Now, is he ever going to be Sam Laporta? Probably not. Will he ever be a difference maker? I'm keeping it positive this episode. It's possible. It's in the realm of possibility, right? Guy's got a 16% target share as a rookie. That's not bad through three games. I know that uh, Christian Watson hasn't played yet and things might change when he plays. But, you know, for, for his first three games, I'm happy with his snap share and his usage. So at least him, I'm happy for him. I like him. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not going to really add those positions, but certainly if you want to talk about them as players that you're interested in acquiring or players that you're interested in, you know, buying more for your portfolio, then fine. But I'll go ahead and get started. But my first one that I really, I don't want to say I'm surprised about this one. It's a player that I mentioned on the stream the other night. It's a player you and I have always liked. And if you look back historically at some of the same data that I'll talk about now for this year, he's always been good. He's always been undervalued. We are victims of sometimes assuming a situation is going to be X, and then we get a small enough sample size that grows into, now it's a three-game sample size of maybe we were not right. The player I'm referring to is Marquise Brown. Everyone just assumed the situation was going to suck. And that's it. If you would have told me some of the numbers that he has, played 95% of the snaps, he's running routes on over 95% of the snaps that he's playing, 28% target share. Like really, you would say that's pretty healthy. You could pull those numbers out and you could ask somebody, are you interested in those peripherals? And they'd probably say, oh yeah, for sure. And the only separation was they thought he's going to be on such a bad team. But then you look at Arizona, you know, Arizona's drop back EPA this year, 13th out of 32, not great, but not terrible. Like no one thought he'd be able to produce with Josh Dobbs. Even if I would have told you, would you have been shocked if I told you Hollywood Brown got 25% target share? You would have said, yeah, I probably expect that, right? He's a good player. Mm -hmm. But then if I told you they would get league average quarterback play, you'd go, okay, I probably should buy more Hollywood Brown. So that's where I'm at. Even if Kyler Murray doesn't come back, even if the team is just the fourth worst team in the league or the sixth worst team in the league and just not the stone cold worst, it does look like they're going to be competitive and it looks like he's still going to be able to produce even in the situation that he's in. And that does not take into account that he's a free agent. You could look up next year and what if Kyler Murray comes back, they re-sign Hollywood Brown, they draft another receiver alongside Hollywood Brown. Now we're looking at next year is whether it's Kyler Murray or whether it's a rookie quarterback, you're looking at an offense where you actually want to buy in. So I am I really would like to get more Hollywood Brown and I think you do it in ways that you got to be creative, but I think he's a guy you can still buy. Yeah, well, you're always going to be able to buy Hollywood Brown. He's just one of those dude that's, dudes that's going to just be perpetually not liked. Um, I don't know if that's the correct wordage. But I don't know if any of that was English. It just came out of my mouth. He's always injured. He never breaks out. Blah, 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 blah. Like, th that's always the narrative around him. And yeah, I was one of the people that was guilty going, man, this Arizona offense is just going to be bad, bad. 
But we have to remember you're in, you're in your targets, especially when you've done it your entire career. Like the dude is a 25% target share getter. That's what he's going to get. You know, is it going to be great production when he has really bad quarterback play? Probably not. But when he gets better than what we thought quarterback play, it ends up being better than we thought production. And uh, it's a sneaky way. Yeah, it could have been some sneaky points to be gotten pretty cheap. One of my favorite old people, Kamara, or excuse me, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. You like Amari Cooper? Well, you started with Kamara, but it's Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. I don't know know why Kamara jumped on my head. Absolutely not. Amari Cooper, 25% target share. That's what he does. Right now, the guy's what? putting up double digit points, 15.8 a week. And I will say this, the wide receiver scoring is still bananas over the first three weeks, as it is often the case in the beginning of the season. But now I'm loving Amari Cooper. He was producing even in the first two games when Deshaun Watson was terrible, which is what you like to see. What I like about him the best is he's cheap. He's almost a throw-in, you know? I moved today. I moved off of Drake London and I got uh, Amari Cooper and James Cook today. And I felt pretty good about that and some refuse on my side, some picks. And I know just looking at that, people are probably like, ugh, Amari Cooper, he's not hes not sexy. He's, he's almost 30. But he's a guy that, I mean, honestly, he's a consistent high-end wide receiver too. And if you can pay, I, I don't know what Drake London is anymore. I'll call him a random 24 first at this point. Um, if you could pay prices like that for, you know, an Amari Cooper and get another piece back, I wouldn't do it straight up. I'd be happy all day to do that. I think he's on a Browns offense that's going to get better. Deshaun Watson looked a lot better this past week. And as you noted on Twitter, Amari Cooper was also robbed of a uh, pretty long touchdown. So assuming health, which isn't always a guarantee with anyone, I'm feeling pretty good about Amari Cooper the rest of the season. Yeah, I actually was looking at Amari Cooper. I was looking at the Browns usage earlier. So there's two things, and I agree with you about Amari. I think you know what he is. You know he's going to be somebody that's going to be able to produce to a certain extent just because he has his whole career. I'll I'll just say this. The only thing that worries me a little bit about the Browns is they're still even with not having Nick Chubb for now, which is about over half their season because he went out in the second quarter of their second game, right? Mm -hmm. They are still one of the the teams that is running more than most on neutral downs, which means they're still, I don't want to say they're hiding their quarterback, but their goal is not to just pass, 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 which for a receiver, that's one of the things that you're looking for. They're only throwing it about 50.1% of the time on neutral downs, so downs where it's not an obvious pass situation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing, is uh, the usage for the Browns it's good for Cooper, but it's not great. For some reason, they are wasting routes and snaps on six receivers, which is not what you want to see. Uh, we don't need David Bell playing 16% of the snaps. We don't need Marquise Goodwin running routes on 16% of the snaps that he plays. Uh, we don't need Cedric Tillman playing. I, I, I'm just talking about the little tiebreakers. Where Oh, man. We're supposed to be keeping it positive here, Scott. Look, uh, they just uh, lost Nick Chubb. It's one game. Jerome Ford is not Nick Chubb. I I don't give a shit if he had two good games. He's not Nick Chubb. Defenses are going to stop the Browns running game, and they'll be back to Watson throwing at a requisite uh, amount. Right now, they're way down 19th in the league. That'll 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 regress. All I'm saying is Elijah Moore actually looks very similar to Amari Cooper. They have a historic defense. That was my last point. The Browns defense is just slowing the game down and holding the other team down, which isn't always great for fantasy points. But I'm I'm down with yeah, Amari Cooper. It's not that I'm yeah, down on I, him. I just it's not a perfect look, fantasy point scoring situation. He's not gonna no, he's not gonna be a wide receiver one. 
he's not going to be a guy that's averaging 20 points a game. For a lower rung down, I'm okay with him. I'm going to go in a direction, again, another player that's been good his whole career. People weren't really sure what the offense was going to look like. The offense is still extremely shaky. Uh, But Jacoby Myers, got to be in on Jacoby Myers. 32% target share thus far with Devontae Adams, who's at 39%, which is just ridiculous. But you take those two combined, and it's like those are the only two players the ball is going to outside of Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs was at like 13%. So literally, they are giving their three top options more percentage of the offense than any other team. If you add the three together, like literally almost 90% of the Raiders' offense is going to those three. Now, it is the Raiders, and this isn't shocking for Myers. He's always been somebody that you look at these numbers and you go, man, can we just get him in a good situation? Which is in a McDaniels offense. Jimmy G, at least historically, in a good offense. I'm not saying Jimmy G's a good quarterback, but historically, he's been good for his weapons. He can at least create efficiency for his weapons. Now, this feels like a fragile team, though. Jimmy G's already injured. We'll see if he plays this week. But it's also a team where I'm not sure where this team is headed, um, other than it's probably not winning. I can guess, though, that the benefactor of that, as long as it is a competent quarterback. It doesn't have to be an elite quarterback, a competent one. Devontae Adams potentially gets traded. I'm not saying that'll be awesome for Jacoby Myers, but he's able to sit there and carry the offense, not not for wins and losses, but from a fantasy perspective, he would be getting 30% of the targets if Devontae Adams wasn't there. He's still doing it while he's there. He's getting 30% of the targets anyway with Devontae Adams there. Yeah, yeah. Ellie I mean, Mike could, gets thirty-five to forty. Now the the quality is going to be lower. Yeah. The offense is going to be bad. But the point is, I don't see a way as long as he is healthy. I don't see a way he doesn't produce. Clearly, they're just not giving the ball to anybody else. But I think Myers is another one of those guys, even a poorer version of Hollywood Brown, where he's not going to be that hard to get if you're willing to buy at a price that convinces the other person to sell. So he's definitely one I'd like to get. And I have a lot of Myers, but I'm tempted to even add a couple more just because he is he's a proven good player that has no real market value until he's on your roster. So my next guy is a guy that I liked. I got a little scared off before the season, knowing that he had a rookie quarterback and that quarterback was going to be a running quarterback. So I, I didn't know what to expect. And it's a guy that's gone out there and then produced with that rookie and then also with Gardner Minshew. So my dude is Michael Pittman. I talked about this on the stream the other night because I don't know when this is coming out, but Michael Pittman's one of three wide receivers this year to have double-digit targets in each of his games. The dude has been basically a target hog his whole career. He's up to a 30% target share right now. He is the wide receiver 11. I don't know if he'll he'll stay at that rate, but I don't know why not. I mean, this is a guy that has improved each of his first two years, which is what we like, right? We were just worried, I guess, that the offense wouldn't be conducive to that. And he's shown that it is going to be conducive to that, at least again. And then it's with Anthony Richardson under center and then with Gardner Minshew under center for a game and a half. He's been the the commanding uh, target getter there. Only other guy really getting targets on that team is Josh Downs. Rest in peace, Alec Pierce. But either way, I'm really liking what I see from Michael Pittman so far this year. What lessons can we learn from the, especially Hollywood Brown and Michael Pittman, where we know if we would have looked at their career data, we would have said they're solid players. They're not wide receiver ones, but they are top 30 or better receivers. But we just faded the situation because we thought we knew what it would be. And then three weeks in, we're like, maybe these situations are not as bad as we thought. I mean, look, I talk about it all the time. And it seems like sometimes for for guys, I guess on the lower rung, I don't actually follow the advice where it's, you know, follow the talent, right? So 
whether that talent is Jamar Chase type level, where it's legitimate wide receiver one overall type level, or it's a Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown, which is probably closer to wide receiver two, right? If these are guys that have been getting 22 plus uh, percent target shares their entire career, regardless of who their quarterbacks have been, maybe we should just trust in them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just be more open-minded to, we think we know what the situations are going to be and, you know, buy before we know anything, buy the good profiles or buy some of the players that you know what they are and you just bet against the situation or you bet for it. Um, I'll throw this one out there uh, only because I think it's a situation that's entirely up in the air, but I'll throw Wandale Robinson out there. Uh, he had five targets in nine routes. And if you look at the Giants usage, the Giants, A, have been one of the worst offenses in the league, but B, they are an offense that I'm not sure they know what they want to do yet. Uh, they obviously have Dan- Darren Waller. Uh, they have played, I-, I think, Daniel Bellinger more than people thought that they would. And then their receiver usage is just maddening. They've played six receivers and two of them probably are playing way more than they need to. Uh, so hopefully they start to tighten it up and they're only using three or four receivers instead of six. Something's got to give. At some point you got to go, let's give Wandale and Jalen Hyatt a shot to earn more roles. And that's that's a guy that as soon as he came back on the field, I didn't even know if he would play last week. And he only played, I think, 27% of the snaps. Ran nine routes, five targets. So five out of nine, that's pretty good. So, I mean, if that continues, not saying it's going to stay at that rate, but feels like when he's out there, he's probably the preferred target for them to go to, which is what it was last year before he got injured. He's a good guy to get as a throw-in pivot from a yeah. receiver that the, the the metrics are not favorable. Like there's some, and I know this is supposed to be a positive show, but there are a few receivers out there that people still hold with a little value that I don't know if I really want anymore. Uh, somebody like Brandon Cooks. I can probably get Wandale Robinson in a third for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, but I do like Robinson. I mean, we saw that last year, right? His targets per route run was really high. He's a dude that can make stuff happen. So I like that. He's a guy that I was trying to get in the offseason because you could get him fairly cheap. But yeah, if you could pivot from Brandon Cooks, anyone in that tier, I I would go so far as I, I would say someone like a Tyler Lockett, but I'd need to pick back with Wandale Robinson to do that. But yeah, just go through your roster. Who's your wide receiver four that you were hoping was going to be a wide receiver three and see if you could flip them for someone like Wandell Robinson. Because like you said, he, he didn't have a ton of playing time last week, so his stats aren't out of, out of this world. But if anyone's looking at the underlying per- peripherals, they'll see that, okay, maybe this is a guy I need to get on my roster. And it's probably a way you can maybe get off of a couple players that might be cooked. Somebody like Juju Smith-Schuster, I'd probably rather have Wandale Robinson. Yes. Um, probably have rather have Wandale Robinson over Mike Williams considering he's out for the year. Uh, that could be a way you pivot off of some other players where you kind of look and you go like, what, what is this guy? Somebody like Darnell Mooney. Like I don't even want players on Darnell Mooney's team. So like looking at situations where you go, okay, even if I lose this deal, what am I actually losing? And there's a lot more names in there that you can probably find where you're like, Ugh. I mean, I hate to say this, but even somebody like Deandre Hopkins, that's the kind of move where you have to kind of separate the fact that I'm not really trading anything away because I just don't see yeah, DeAndre I mean, Hopkins producing a ton either. Yeah, get him now. Uh, now be a great time to buy him before uh, he does pop out. And hopefully he stays healthy. Any others for you? Oh, I just wanted to gloat. Um, there's one guy. Who did I really like in this offseason? Oh, it's oh. Chris Olave. Chris Olave 
Remember when everyone, now I, I'm not even going to say everyone told you to take Garrett Wilson over him because that's not even fair to Garrett Wilson after what he's going through. But uh, Chris Olave, oh, right it now, is, he, it is fair because even with Garrett Wilson, I mean, we couldn't really judge him on what he could have been. But you look at Chris Olave's numbers, I'll let you share it. But that's hard to even say Garrett Wilson would have been that. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's the wide receiver 14 right now. He's seventh in target share, 31.7%, fifth in overall targets. Uh, his air yard share. He's eighth in the league. Air yards, he's sixth in the league. Uh, reception, seventh. Yards after the catch, seventh. Like, basically, he's winning all over the field. There's not an area of the field that he can't win. He can be your deep threat or he can be your intermediate threat. And so far, and I don't know if this is good or bad because he only scored four touchdowns last year. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And what's even more impressive about that to me is the fact that Michael Thomas, I won't say he's not old Michael Thomas, obviously, but he looks like a functional good wide receiver on the team. And Rashid Shahid is decent enough when he's on the field. So it's not like Alave is just hoovering these targets from no one. Like he's earning these targets and he's still the no doubt about it. Alpha, we'll have to see what happens with Jameis Winston under center, but I'm not really concerned to be honest with you, as we just talked about with uh, other players. Good players that earn targets are going to continue to do so. So are you at a point where are you willing to move like A.J. Brown straight up for Chris Olave, Or would that be a yeah. portfolio thing? No, no, I, w- I, would, I would still do that. Because, I mean, there's still the, the age discount. I think Chris Olave is, uh, I haven't even looked at scoring right now beside, for A.J. Brown, but outside of week three, Chris Olave's been better than him. And I think Chris Olave is going to be just as good, if not better than him this year. Yeah. I mean, and if you're willing to pay wide receiver three prices for Olave, and I can't argue with the the numbers you gave in terms of he's as good a candidate to be in that slot as anybody, then I think you can still get him. Quarterbacks. I just think that the quarterback market thus far has been an eye opener. Uh, It's very flat, meaning like you can definitely be winning if you had two mid-tier QBs, if you had the right ones that have been productive thus far, you can be winning. But I think if I'm just looking at like quarterback efficiency, I still think, and this might be a death knell, but I still think one that I would be willing to buy that I think there's a little bit of a a downward arrow for the market is I still think I would bet on Geno Smith. I would double down, triple down on Geno Smith, what he was last year. His numbers this year in terms of his efficiency are actually just as good as they were last year. But doesn't it feel like there's just not the same buzz about the Seattle offense this year as there was last year? Like second half of last year, people talked about how they were awesome and they came out of nowhere and it doesn't feel like it's there this year. So his price has fallen a little bit. So that's one that I would buy that you look at his numbers and he's right there with Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson. Like he's right there with all the other guys that people are actually saying are a little bit better this year. And it just doesn't feel like he's being treated the same way. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on Gino, but he feels like a guy that's more attainable now because there was worry that maybe, oh man, maybe he's fallen back to where he was. He had one bad game and it was the opening game of the year, which is the worst game of the year to have be a bad game because that's the one everyone's watching for fantasy purposes. Then we go, oh, I knew that's what this dude was. I never thought he was any good because, you know, it's easy to say that. Over 300 yards passing per game since then, a couple touchdowns, he's rushing. He looks like the same guy as last year. Like he looks just as good and maybe the offense isn't, maybe it isn't getting the buzz. I was looking at DK Metcalf have to go buy him and I'm like hey, just let me look at his score real quick and yep yep still supporting guys so yeah no I like Geno Smith this one might be a little bit suspect so I wanted to get your opinion on this one where are you at and we talked about it a little bit the other night on the stream but truly like feet to the fire how aggressively are you willing to buy CJ Stroud 
Like, are you willing uh, to do the, like, are you willing to give up the Herbert Lawrence and just get Stroud in a second, Stroud in a small piece? I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I really do. And I said it on the stream. I really feel like, yes, he has a couple tough matchups coming up, but I feel like if he gets through those, you already have a lot of the big NFL people talking about how good he's been. Mm-hmm. I just feel like very soon he gets into that window of you can't buy him anymore. Unless it's an absolute, hey, I'm tanking for this year and I'm going to get my own pick back so I can get Caleb Williams type of deal. I have no reason to move him and buy him. I have no problem at all adding a second to, I'll say Lawrence. Herbert, I'll have to think about. You know what I mean? Her- Herbert is a, is a machine and he is coming off a 400-yard passing game, which probably colors it a little bit. But no, I, I definitely think the kid's legit. I mean, he's one of those dudes, like if you could somehow just add it first to Daniel Jones and go get Stroud, I would do that. Thinking of ranges of outcomes, uh, one guy that actually looks a lot better on paper, and you might have watched him the other night, but is Baker Mayfield somebody you would buy with a thought that he gets a future look elsewhere after this year? Because everyone's just already convinced he's a one-year bet. After this year, he's a bench quarterback. Is he a guy you would buy if you can get him for less than a first as a, I'm okay with it. I think he, I'm betting against the outcome where he has a future and everyone else doesn't think he does. Yeah, I think he definitely does look like a guy that's going to have another shot no matter where it is next year. Like he's going to have another job somewhere. Is he a guy Uh, Tampa may just go, hey, we'll give you a nice two-year deal and we like you and we'll roll with you for another year or two? Because I don't think Tampa has a path to uh, getting an elite quarterback anytime soon. It feels like this might be another like Jimmy G, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins thing where maybe they give him another couple years. You think so? You know how hard it is to to – to pronosticate, pronosticate, pronosticate what teams are going to do at quarterback in the future. It's a futile effort, but I think he himself is definitely in a position where he'll be a starter somewhere. Could it be Tampa? I don't see why not. Cause he, even in that Eagles game, even though the Eagles completely decimated uh, the bucks, it wasn't because of him. It was just because the Eagles have one of the better defensive lines in the league and one of the better running games in the league. Um, So they completely shut down their run, but it wasn't like there was anything Baker was doing. I'll say this. He looked a lot better than from what I, what I remember in Cleveland, even if the the numbers didn't bear it out. So I'm fine. He's a guy that, yeah, I'll throw a second at, which is crazy because you could have had him free six months ago, probably, and just let him sit on your roster. But he's a guy that, yeah, I think we can look forward to him getting some, uh, some more run in the future. And then the last one, I think you can still buy this guy for a third, but there's a chance that he probably starts the rest of the year. Maybe we don't think it's for sure, but I think there's an outcome where he does. And he also solidifies himself as a pretty high-end backup going forward. Would you buy Josh Dobbs? Because he looks a lot better in the efficiency metrics than I ever thought he would. Good enough to where, I'm not saying he's another Geno Smith, but good enough to where a team may go, we're not in a hurry to bench this guy. Hell, you may get yourself through bye weeks with a low-end QB2 that you got for free. And it's the same thing as you're getting with, you know, Sam Howe or Mac Jones. But those guys actually cost the price of a starter where this guy's a throw-in. Would you be buying Josh Dobbs? Yeah, I'm fine throwing a, a third at Josh Dobbs. We can find quarterbacks to start. That's not an issue usually, right? It's can we find ones that are actually going to give us points when we do let them start? Could be a guy that gets you through bye weeks that you can get attainably without really having to pay anything. Uh, Just someone to be on your radar. So final thoughts. Anybody else you wanted to mention in this episode where we've tried to stay 95% positive? 
Now, all this positivity is killing me. Now I got to go trade a, a wide receiver for another wide receiver and a pick so I can get this taste out of my mouth. Well, good luck, everybody. Week four, uh, try to bring some positivity uh, to a ever-changing and, quite frankly, sometimes negative and depressing dynasty game because things are just so immediate uh, that there's a most of the stuff that gets discussed is what went bad. Who got injured? Who didn't play well? What situations are bad? Who we should trade? So look forward to that next week. We'll be right back at it Tuesday nights on the stream. Good luck week four. Man, it can chill out.